This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. This is Hornswoggle, and you are listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, the best podcast going today. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, episode number 242. You may be wondering why I am voicing this intro. It's because Nick is on vacation. He's on a 4th of July vacation somewhere socially distanced from everyone and everything. But I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and I'm here holding down the fort with, of course, someone you may be happy to hear once more. We are honored to welcome back the illustrious, Aww. the incandescent, the indubitable <laughs> JB. Welcome, JB. Welcome, oh, my welcome, goodness. Welcome. Why, thank you, you for that lovely introduction. You're so welcome. Hello, if- phenomenal ones. I am so happy to be back on the Busted Wide Open podcast, the best <laughs> wrestling podcast in the business. Happy 4th of July. We've got a great show for you today. Indeed. Thank you very much, JB. If you're uh, For those... For those of you who may be new to the show, JB, do you want to throw a quick introduction their way? Uh, who you are, et cetera, et cetera? Oh, I thought I needed no introduction. <laughs> <laughs> well, I introed you. Now you can intro yourself. Well, I am JB. I am a wrestling fan. I have studied the graps. I have been in the ring. I can pick up any big mans you throw my way. <laughs> uh I can I can prove it. Come on, just bring it on. And um, yeah, I'm just excited to be back on the show. I've been here a few times before co-hosting when the uh, lovely Nick and his beard are out. And um, yeah. That sounds about right. That's true. It is. By the way, it is true. She will put you in an arm bar. She will take you down. Uh, I'm going to do my best not to mess with her too much today. <laughs> that being said, Nick will be back on Monday. We'll be getting back to our regular schedule then. So if you're if you're missing the Nick, don't worry. He is coming back from wherever, whatever beach he's on right now, getting an awkward tan, I'm <laughs> sure. Uh, before we get into the actual show itself, we got to talk about AEW's Fighter Fest this week. we got to talk about NXT had the Great American Bash. That came back this week, kind of like mini pay-per-views that weren't pay-per-views they were on tv mm-hmm. smackdown also have we got to talk about a lot of stuff today jb but first i gotta throw a little housekeeping at everybody uh we clean do have house. they gotta clean that house facebook discussion group 
uh, head over to Facebook, search for Busted Wide Open. You will find us there. It's a great place to talk to other like-minded wrestling fans about everything that's going on. We do throw some funny memes at each other. We talk about everything over there. It's actually a lot of fun in there. So join up and join the discussion. Also, we are doing a lot of stuff over on Discord. You can find the link to our Discord server on that Facebook page. Uh, so if you prefer Discord, we're there too. And we actually have a lot of discussions, but we have got live streams for pretty much everything that's going on. And if we don't have it, just ask us. We'll make it. Throwback uh, episodes. Oh, yeah. All kinds of stuff back there. Shout out to Andy Jess who does the throwbacks. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of fun on Discord as well. Or if you want to communicate with us, head over to Twitter at BWO Podcast. And of course, I would be remiss if I didn't throw out some love to our amazing patrons, patreon.com forward slash BWO. You too can become a patron and help support this show by paying us a little bit into one of those lovely tiers that we have. You can get some sweet swag. You can ask questions on our bonus patron mailbag show, which is actually coming up after this one. Uh, JB will be sitting on for that one too. So if you want to get in on all of the exclusives for our patrons, head over to patreon.com forward slash BWO and thank you to so much who's all so much to everyone who's already signed up you guys are awesome you grease the wheels around here and we appreciate it more than you could possibly understand uh and also right now obviously we are just doing this as a podcast because we don't have the whole starship setup that Nick has but normally we are going live on YouTube every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern uh, excuse me 5 p.m. Pacific 8 p.m. Eastern and on Saturday at 12 p.m. Pacific 3 Eastern. Uh, that's live on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash busted wide open. Those are our live stream shows, as well as the patron mailbag episode, which airs right after our Saturday show. Also, we start, just started doing a news show, BWO Daily, which you can catch on our YouTube channel every day, Monday through Friday. Brings you the hottest stories, the newest news every day of the weekday. Uh, so check that out on our YouTube as well. Hit the little notification. You know the deal if you've ever been on YouTube. Hit the notification button. Click the little bell. Uh, set it to all because we've had some weird issues where some of our stuff doesn't go out. So just do that. Check all that out. That's about, uh, I think, everything, JB. Yes, this house That's is about, so clean. It's sparkling. It's so fresh and so clean, clean. <laughs> Let's go, go over and talk about AEW Fighter Fest Week 1. Fighter Fest. Ah, yes. It's, a, it's, it's funny. Uh, AEW just, uh, announced they were going to do Fighter Fest as a two-week extravaganza mm-hmm. on Dynamite. And then NXT's like, really? We're going to do the Great American Bash the same time two weeks in a row? That's so funny, AEW. How did you come it's, up with that idea? It's almost like WWE is a little petty. I know, <laughs> I know that's completely out there, and no one has ever had that thought before. But, you know, it's, uh, it, it's almost like that. It's almost like that, isn't it? Yeah, just a little bit. And, and also to use a, uh, a pay-per-view name that Cody's dad came up with. Yeah. <laughs> I, saw, I saw the tweet from um, Dusty's daughter saying, just send my mom a check, WWE. If you want to use that name, like roll eyes, fine. Just send us a check. She ain't wrong. Get uh, that money, boo. Get that wrong. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, but here we are, Fighter Fest, AEW. Uh, they didn't mind throwing a, little, a couple little pot shots back at WWE's way, but we'll get to that because we got to start off with the main event, which was the Tag Team Championship which I thought was an interesting uh, choice to have go at the, as the main event. Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus best friends, of course, Chucky e. T and Trent. 
So he spells it with a question mark. Trent? Trent? Um, so this was interesting. Having the tag match going last on the show. I know the Young Bucks have said they wanted the tag team division in AEW to be the best in the world. They wanted it to be the featured program. Do you think yes. that it was appropriate to have the tag match go on last when you also had the new TNT championship on the show? Eh, it was, it was fine. It was a fine match, you know, but it didn't feel main event to me. Yeah. I, I just yeah. being honest, I was a little I, underwhelmed. And I think that, you know, you no, I agree. And I think that it actually, it, it might be because of the actual match itself. As you said, there was nothing fundamentally wrong with the match. Both teams put on a good match, yeah. but it didn't feel main event worthy. Uh, maybe it's because the best friends were brought to the ring by Trent's mom in a minivan, which... Okay, I did like that part. It was cute. <laughs> it was cute. Um, I think it was... MG I saw someone on Twitter, MGF or somebody, um, saying, you know... I mean, oh, maybe it was... Uh, I was FTR one of the tag teams. I forget who I saw, but they said something along the lines of, you know, maybe best friends, you would have more luck if you didn't do things to pop the guys in the locker room and you actually took things seriously. And I looked at that and was kind of like, you know, they're not wrong. That was, it was, it was, it was cute, but it didn't sell to me that this is a championship worthy team. And seeing as we've had pretty much a championship match every week on Dynamite for the last few weeks, and one of our complaints was that, was that Best Friends didn't feel like a championship-worthy team, and why did they have to work so hard to get a championship match when everyone else is just being given one? I just can't believe that you're suggesting that someone's mother driving them there to support them being such a good mom... <laughs> could bring down their legitimacy in the ring. I mean, I think mothers everywhere are are really angry with you she right even, now. She even stopped and was like, "No, honey, before give you go play kiss. before you go play with the boys, come give mother a kiss. Come on over here, Trenty. That's right." And he tried to keep his game face he on. He had a serious face on. He was like <laughs> mean mugging as he kissed his mother. Yeah, mom, give me that kiss. That's right. I'm going to go <laughs> kick some guys ass. I thought it was cute. It, it was, but that's the problem is that yeah. it, 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 if you'd put this in the middle of the show, because, you know, the best friends were there, they were presented as kind of like a goofy, happy go lucky team. And Hangman Page and Kenny Omega have just been presented as their only real story is that they kind of get along sometimes, but sometimes they don't, they don't, but they're still faces. You have a face versus face team here. And at some point, things have to get chippy. And, you know, they have to actually show a little bit of animosity well, or they competitiveness did at the end, after the match was over a little bit but but that, that's the problem it's after the match was over yeah after the match was over but even between best friends and, and omega and page they were like oh well good, good try guys and then that was it and then we had the angle where uh ftr comes out they were sitting there you know on commentary uh drinking beers. beers drinking beers okay wait wait okay who chews gum and drinks beer at the same time. Not a fan of Dax Harwood, are you? Why? <laughs> Why? We all know that would be a disgusting combination. I mean, it depends on the beer. If he's I having Bud Light. I question the sanity of anyone who chews gum 
and drink beer at the same time. I just had to get that off my chest. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. So not a fan of FTR. But apparently neither was Kenny Omega because after the match, again, so we had this match. It was there. But the real interesting stuff happened afterwards. FTR comes to the ring, offers Hangman and Kenny beers in celebration. Of course, we all know that Kenny doesn't drink. That was part of his whole gimmick was him drinking milk while Hangman was drinking whiskey. Right. Ha ha. But he pours out the beer that they gave him. And, of course, they're insulted. And, oh, how dare you? And things get you know, a little tense between the two teams. Again, best friends was irrelevant in that. It was, and it was, it, it underlined the fact that they were just kind of a gimme match. Yeah. Like, I felt like they were more in danger, Omega and, and Paige, I mean, from uh, a couple of weeks ago where they had to face a super bad death squad with uh, 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 Kip Sabian and uh, Jimmy Havoc. Well, I feel like this was just a means to an end to get this moment where you had Hangman Page and Kenny Omega standing on opposite sides of the ring. Right. With FTR. And that was the interesting thing. The Bucks coming out and trying to break it up and them standing with Kenny and yelling at FTR, who was standing with Hangman. Yeah. So, again, we're, you know, here we are trying to foment this feeling like Kenny and Hangman are not the same page. And maybe they had to have one match to get, give us some idea that they were on the same page, pardon the pun. Um, and now we're going to head back into this angle. But if so... It was really a lackluster match, and that's kind of too bad, especially because it was, it was your main event. Um, and the only reason it, it was to me was to end the show on FTR and Hangman jawing at Kenny and the, and the Bucks. That was Agreed. kind of the only reason to do that. Yeah, and it's, means to an end. Yeah, but that's an unfortunate way for what's supposed to be a big show. It was an unfortunate way to get to this ending, I felt. You so know what I was distracted by during this match? It wasn't the... the oh, during the actual match? Yeah. Um, was it Chuck E.T.'s dad bod? Okay, kind of. <laughs> Do you, okay, I'm not here to body shame. It's not about that. Oh, okay. No. Do you, have you seen Unsatiable or Insatiable on Netflix? I have seen neither Unsatiable nor Insatiable. Okay, thank you, smart Alec. Just, have you seen The Walking Dead? Yes. Okay, there's an actor, um, Dallas Roberts. And Chucky e. T looks so much like Dallas Roberts. He plays Milton on um, The Walking Dead, and he played the pageant coach on Insatiable. <laughs> and he looks so much like the pageant coach on Insatiable. Like I couldn't, I couldn't stop huh. thinking about it. Who does he play on Insatiable? Really, I, I'm just, I'm, don't make me come I, over there. Good point. Good point. Sorry. Uh, Listen. Okay, but is is it just me, or is Dallas Roberts a better wrestling name than Chucky e. T? You I'm know, just, you're not wrong. I'm just saying. You're not wrong. And, I, and I, I, I throw this out there with all love. Much love to Chuck E. T. <laughs> Busting <laughs> balls. <laughs> Let's move on before I get my butt kicked here. Moving on. Moving on. Cody versus Jake Hager for the TNT Championship. This came in the middle of the show. That yes, was bizarre. After all this buildup, after building up the TNT Championship as being a big deal, us even questioning if Cody was making it seem like too big of a deal. Maybe this was a reaction to that. I don't know. But we had it in the middle of the show. Cody comes out, all his pyro. and that Jake, was a lot of pyro. It's a, it's a Cody pyro show. Uh, when you're Cody, when, you're the, when, you're, when you have that position in the company, you can have as much pyro as you want. And he wants all of it. He wants all the pyro. Um, he wants all the pyro. Jake Hager wants all of the blue boy shorts. What oh, was... my goodness. Jake, Jake, you don't, do ha- you don't have that many matches here in AEW, and you tend to lose them when you have them, unless it's against Dustin Rhodes. But 
My goodness. I know that Jake Hager is supposed to be all big, scary, intimidated. But listen, I am not scared at all because this man <laughs> looks like a toddler who crawled out of bed in the middle of the night with his messy hair and his blue underoos. And he, I can't, he looks like a two-year-old. Tell me I'm wrong. Um, Tell me I'm wrong. Except for the fact that he's 6'7 and built like a brick shit house. I don't care with the messy hair and the underwear. I've stood next to Jake Hager. He is a terrifying human being. I am not intimidated. Well, I'm I'm less intimidated by him being in his in his you know boxer, boxer his briefs. underwear his boxer briefs yeah it, it it was not it did him no favors in the intimidation department to come out looking like that it had um, the same sewing and every all the yeah. little seam lines looked like he had a pee hole in the front yes exactly yeah. <laughs> like a little reaching and kind of pull it out um Ew. It, it was not a good look and unfortunately i but here's the thing i've i i don't know if you've seen jake hager in bellator he's legit the dude could legit kick ass. I'm not saying he's not. It just didn't look that way. Correct. Yeah. It was as far as impressions given, it was not a good one. And then, of course, on top of it, he did take it to Cody in this. But I feel like we've seen Cody have it taken to him harder. This is one of the things that I was complaining about when he fought Jungle Boy and he got all bloody and got mm-hmm. all beat up. That's Jungle Boy. Yeah. The dude is what? A buck 60, a buck 70 soaking wet? This is Jake Hager. The dude's a man mountain. And you don't get as messed up fighting him as you do against Jungle Boy. And how are we supposed to take Jake Hager seriously aside from his, you know, little boy Le- shorts little if, sh- if he's not winning? Well, then, okay, so that's the other problem here. Cody, once again, uh, babyface comeback. Although, oh, so the finish was my favorite part of the match. Overall, I thought the match was good to average. But the finish, I thought, was fantastic because... What happened at the end of this match um, was you started having distractions. Jake's wife, Catalina, was ringside. She started distracting Cody, slapped him in the face. You had Arn Anderson trying to get involved. Uh, you had Dustin Rhodes even coming out at one point to distract as well, which was, I thought, interesting is that Cody's team has no problem bending the rules as well, uh, which I continue, <laughs> no. I continue to say, I think they're tipping the hat to a future heel turn with that because it doesn't feel like you know, a babyface good thing to do is to have your team come out and try to distract right. as well. There was a lot of people on Cody's team yeah. in this match. Um, so Dustin straight up interferes with the match. So again, I still think that's a little bit questionable. Even though Catalina did too, it's like two wrongs, well, don't yeah, make it right. She slapped Cody straight up in the face. So kind of evens out But that's what I'm there. saying. Uh, so, all right. So we have, um, we have Cody go for a crossroads. Hager gets a, a flatliner out of it, pins Cody on the ground, gets him in that chokehold that we've seen take people out in three seconds before. Cody, as he's getting knocked out, as he's going to sleep, manages to flip Hager over onto his back and then position his legs so that even though he's dead asleep, his legs are standing up over Hager, putting his body weight on Hager's shoulders. Ref counts three. Hager stands up like Cody's <laughs> tapped out and starts he's cheering for himself. He's celebrating. Cody's still out on the mat. Nabu, you so didn't he's, win. So he's, but he thinks he's won. Now, we've seen this before. We've seen the submission move get reversed yes. into a pin several times. We've seen it a lot, even recently. Um, Asuka's had it happen to her. Shayna Baszler's had it happen to her. Samoa Joe. Like, it's happened. It happens often. What I liked about this, though, was Cody had the wherewithal to think to do it as he was. They've established that triangle choke is legit the way it is in MMA. If it's yeah. on you for too long, like three seconds, you go night-night. 
But Cody had the wherewithal to shift the weight, get over and position his body so that even asleep, he was on top of Hager in that, in that position. It all happened so quickly, Hager thought it was a tap out. I actually, this worked for me. I was, okay, I was going to ask you if, the, if you thought that was brilliant or if it made you mad. It's, I've seen people not like it, but for me, from a storyline perspective, it worked. It kept Hager looking like he could put you to sleep in a heartbeat. It made Cody look like he was resourceful. Yeah. Aside, I didn't like all the interference, but that match ending was good. Yeah, brains over brawn type of situation. Exactly, and maybe it just was something that happened too fast. They didn't sell it while well, the camera wasn't in the right position for everybody. I don't, I don't know, but it worked for me. What doesn't work is Hager is another monster that they have in, in AEW that can't win a match in a big match situation. Lance Archer can't do it. Brody Lee can't do it. Jeff Cobb can't do it. Jake Hager can't do it. If it's a big match, they don't win. And that's a problem when you delegitimize all of your monsters. Mm -hmm. They protected another one of their monsters later on in the show, and we'll get to that. But it's still something they have to look at is when they create these big obstacles. I'm worried for Cage now. I'm worried for Cage because if yeah. that happens to him as well, uh, then that's just going to be one more underlining of that problem in AEW. Agreed. Do you think it's going to happen to Cage, though, or they've maybe realized we can't keep doing this over and over again? The problem is, is they've booked themselves into a corner where if Cage doesn't win, it's now become repetitive, like a, a repeated offense. And it's, and it's going to look bad for their booking as a whole. But if they have Cage win, that delegitimizes Moxley a bit as the champ. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, what do they do? I don't know. <laughs> have a schmoz finish and have... Do they know? That is the question. Uh, well, I hope so. I hope so. I trust them. I, yeah, I trust I mean, them, they book, but... They book months out in advance, if they said before. So I'm interested to see how they, you know, come out of this corner. I, I, I have too. I have enough faith in the company that I'm, I'm not going to come down on them for this yet. Right. It, but it's getting worrisome. We'll see. It's getting worrisome. They're allowing Hager to go out there with a Hager hump on the front of his pants. Yeah, well, ugh, God. I, if he had won, I would have been like, the toddler? The toddler won? So, you know. Well, if he chokes out a guy, I don't care how much of a toddler you look like. You're choking a guy out I like a man. I can't take him seriously this way. Okay. I can't do it. <laughs> can't do it. Just Put remember. on some pants. <laughs> Brush your hair. Look like a two-year-old who climbed out of bed in the morning because he had a nightmare. Do you blame him or do you blame his, you blame his wife? I blame everyone. Blame oh, okay. Oh, yes. Okay. Speaking of his wife. All right. You got oh, no. me started. Oh, you no. got me started. Here she is in this beautiful dress and those heels with her hair done looking all nice. Smoke and I'm show. like, you don't look like that. And let your husband walk into the ring like that. Okay? Come on. Get check, it together. Check your man. Check your man. <laughs> With the stuff. <laughs> Get me all worked up. My blood pressure just so, went up. Sorry, we'll move we'll move on then. We'll move on then. <laughs> we'll talk about the women's championship match, and I'm sure you'll have thoughts on their outfits as well. Hikaru Shida <laughs> versus Penelope Ford. Uh, a match that kind of came out of nowhere and people weren't entirely expecting, I don't think, but I I, I think it actually it, it 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 was better than everyone expected it to be. Um it overdelivered because I think a lot of people underrated Penelope Ford and her wrestling ability. I think Sheeta, people will agree that she's a pretty solid wrestler at, at, at minimum. She does yeah. a solid wrestler, solid to good. And I think a lot of people were kind of down on Penelope Ford. We've never really seen her, especially in AEW, work a whole match by herself. It's always been tag matches or she's been protected somehow. Um, 
nothing to hide from here. Nothing to hide here. She's all out there in the ring with Sheeta. And I got to say, I thought it was pretty good. Well, here's the thing with women in wrestling and women in, in anything. If you are attractive beyond a certain level, you're automatically taken less seriously at whatever you do. Mm. And it's just an unconscious bias that seemed that people seem to have developed in this country and probably across the world. And we have to work against that. So Penelope having that, you know, beautiful buxom blonde look, I think is automatically taken less seriously than Sheeta. And she has to, you know, sort of climb up past that. And I think she did a, a good job here in proving herself being able to work. Right. And it's not like, it's not like Sheeta is a, is hideous herself. No, I mean, they're no, both, they're, I'm not saying that at all. Right. No, but I'm, I know, I know what you're saying. She, Penelope like, Ford has, there's a Barbie look, you know. Yes. She's got, she's got the Vince McMahon look. She has the cheerleader. Yes. And she plays yeah. into it. Absolutely. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But no. it, it does send a certain message. And, you know, I'm glad that she was able to prove that she can work in the ring. And, yeah. I, yeah. I feel like Sheeta was definitely supporting her a lot. Uh, Sheeta was, seemed to be leading a lot of this match. Yeah. Regardless, it takes two to tango. And I feel like Ford definitely stepped up her game for this match. Uh, she, they both looked like they were going for each other. All of the moves looked realistic, as realistic as you can get in wrestling. You know, they, they were laying it in. Um, and frankly, I thought she did showed a nice viciousness that I want to see out of a fighting champ in the position that she's in. So all around, I was actually impressed by this match. It's not going to win match of the year, but it was no. totally solid. It felt like a pay-per-view match. It felt like a good championship defense, which ticked all, all of my boxes. I don't yeah. know. Did it tick all of your boxes as well? It was fine. I think AEW's women division has a lot of work before I'm excited about it. Mm. I mean, I'm excited that it's happening, but it's not, it's not there yet. They're building right now, and they don't really have anyone that's like just comes out of the screen as a superstar at you. And so I'm waiting for them to find that energy that extra charisma that extra it factor so while it was a fine worked match you know that's really all i have to say about it do you think that matches like this where both women are showing off skills that we maybe haven't seen before you know like i said she does viciousness she kip sabian got kicked out by uh, aubrey at the beginning of the match and then came oh, yeah, back and then she kicked his ass so she's shown that she's she's an ass kicker on the one hand and then penelope ford as i said stepped up her game, and had some moves we've never seen before. She did try to drop kick at one point, and Penelope Ford did what I can only describe as like this matrix back bridge thing. Uh, no, that's not a matrix. What, what is it then? A back bend. Oh, so, okay. so But it was like a matrix-style back bend. She no, like back okay. bended out of the way. A matrix is uh -huh. where you go down, and you bend backwards, and your hands don't touch the floor, and you don't support yourself. You just go back and come back up without your hands ever touching the ground. That makes a matrix. That's what makes it impressive. Okay, so back bend a is back with the bend. hands down. Yes. A matrix is if you're able to do it with just your legs and not supporting with your hands. Yes. As someone who worked uh -huh. very hard on the matrix <laughs> for a long Gosh, time and worked equally hard on back bends, I can tell you there is a difference. The more you know. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is why we have <laughs> JB on here to set my ass straight on this. All right. So Penelope Ford does a back bend. It still looked cool as hell. It did. I was impressed. It but was I'm, great. So I, what, I'm say, what I'm saying here is, is that if we've got them out here doing stuff like that, getting themselves over, doing cool moves, 
is this a is this forward progress? Is this another step yes. towards legitimizing the women's division in Absolutely. AEW, creating stars, etc.? Absolutely. It is in progress and they are almost there. They just need to bring in the final few pieces, which may be people who aren't on the roster yet, or it may be upping the game of people who are already on the roster. They're almost there. It's just missing a little something. Mm. But I am very happy with the progress that is being made. Do you think they need like a, a, a superstar like a Charlotte or a Tessa Blanchard or someone of that size oh and like the feel like the feeling? Yeah. of someone as a superstar to really legitimize the division? Absolutely. All ships rise with the tide. So mm. if they brought in someone of that caliber, it, it would just, all the other ladies would step up their game and bring up the whole division. All right. Well said. I've, I've got to leave it on that. Uh, MJF and Wardlow versus Jurassic Express. This was our opening match. Uh, two smaller guys, young guys, who've got a storied rivalry already in, in a young company versus two giant and, and two giant monsters. And they're all versus each other. We've had this built up for a while. MJF and jungle boy have been going at it for a while. Luchasaurus and Wardlow have been kind of eyeballing each other for a while. We've all been wanting to see these two monsters collide. They had a lumberjack match last week on dynamite. That was depending on where you were sitting, either awesome or sloppy. But this match we had, was a great show opener. It was. It was. It set the mood. And just so you know, whenever you talk about Wardlow and Max Maxwell, in my head, their tag team name is the Douche Faces. <laughs> That's just what it is. Just because Wardlow walks around with a permanent duck face does not mean that he's a douche face. Although, yes, it does. MJF was born with a douche face, which is kind of why he's a great heel. See? I'm just saying. Proving my point for me. Well, I, I think, and especially with the ending of this match, I'm thinking at some point, sooner rather than later, Wardlow is splitting from MJF and possibly even going face because that guy... What? Improved, uh, in my eyes, his... What he showed me in this match, like, I, I love me some Luchasaurus. I've loved me some Luchasaurus for years. I think yes. the guy is very impressive for a guy his size. Wardlow is on another level. That guy has, has showing me more and more things that a guy his size shouldn't have and shouldn't be able to do. Ring presence, star presence. Um, he's a great base, which is why he's great with... Uh, he's, he's in the ring with little guys like Jungle Boy. There was one, um, one moment he did here where he was flipping Jungle Boy around his body, getting him set up for what ended up being a, uh, almost like a Frankensteiner, uh, reverse Rana, mm -hmm. and was just a great base for Jungle Boy. Turn around, and he's slobber-knocking with Luchasaurus and then doing a gigantic... <laughs> Sounds so wrong. It, well... <laughs> uh, and then turning around and doing a swanton bomb off the top rope on a Luchasaurus. I mean, again, I, I want to put all the guys over in this match, but did Wardlow show you stuff you weren't expecting in this match as well, or was it just me? Uh, it was just you. Oh, no! I, sure. It was, a great, it was a great match all around, but I can't say that Wardlow, you know stuck out for me in any really particular way. Did anyone stick out in here or are you just so mad at MJF that you can't, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can't see that? Oh, I, well, ugh, speaking of MJF, I will never oh, no. not be disturbed by men pulling objects out of their tiny little trunks. <laughs> it was a ring too. Where was he hiding that ring down there? Never not be disturbed. I mean, I mean, at least it was probably easy to get on his finger. Nice and... 
Nice Ew. and sweaty. Ew. I'm just saying. Ew. Um, what is wrong with you? Greased up. So Ugh. that was the ending of the match. MJF pulling out the uh, the loaded, the ring, um, missing, almost hitting Wardlow, and then stopping in time. Oh, that was a close one. Luchasaurus <laughs> kicks his hand, kicks his leg, and so he does punch Wardlow. Um, Wardlow ends up flying out of the ring, uh, and then he gets pulled back into the ring. MJF gets held out by uh, Jungle Boy. Luchasaurus pulls Wardlow back in and pins him. First pin, Wardlow's eaten on the main roster. Yes. And MJ, after MJF screaming at him, this is all your fault. So, huh. De- more problems in MJFville. But what do you think MJF will do without Wardlow if they do split? That's the real question. I mean, having him with muscle like that, you know, it legitimizes ups- him a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it will. It makes him more of a threat. Yeah. And up until now, they love to say he's never been pinned or submitted. MJF hasn't. Uh, he's only lost in a multi-man match, and he wasn't pinned in that match. Wardlow now does not have that. <laughs> right. But who's going to be the one that pins him in what program? Is it going to be Jungle Boy? It leaves a lot open. It leaves a lot of stuff up in the air. I thought they did a good job of leaving storylines open at the end of this and giving us what we wanted. You had a bunch of big guy stuff. You had uh, Wardlow and Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus and, and MJF all having good sequences all around. Solid match. Yes. Can't be mad at it. But I'm I'm gonna stick with I'm gonna stick with it. I think Wardlow's gonna be a big deal. Okay, we'll see. I hope he fixes his face. <laughs> hey, I mean, his face is fine. Just the expression. Okay, can we stop with the duck lips, please? Speaking of duck lips. Speaking of duck lips. Um. Is it just me, or does Jungle Boy have the hair of, like, every girl you went to high school with, the scrunched hair? Or is that just my generation? It uh, might be your generation. I don't know. We had, we had um, what was it called? We had crimping in my generation. <laughs> they were all crimped. He's kind of crimped. We had the crimp. scrunched hair. Yeah, the scrunchies? Yep, the scrunched hair. I don't know. His, his hair is part of his gimmick. I ain't mad at his hair at all. I know. I'm not either. It just takes me back. Thank you, Jungle Boy. <laughs> Jesus. Jungle high school girl. Uh, private party versus Santana and Ortiz. This was kind of this kind of came out of nowhere, but uh, here we are. Private party with Matt Hardy at their sides, calling back to the way that Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy had Michael P.S. Hayes as their manager when they started. Yeah, even the um, the outfit that right. uh, extra all- tight shirt with the extra loose pants, the Jenkos. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Yeah, it looked a little bit like how what uh, what uh, P.S. Hayes wore back in the day with them. Yeah, it's, it's not dissimilar. Um, and he's calling it the unkillable Matt Hardy gimmick. So it is actually a gimmick. Although, can we call it Coach Hardy at this point? Because he was kind of on the sidelines, coaching Private Party to the win here. Right. Which was interesting. Santana and Ortiz losing again, dropping in the rankings further, and that's that's three members of Inner Circle losing on this pay per view. One of them is. Uh, is sidelined. You know, Sammy Guevara has been suspended for what he said about Sasha Banks, and yep. and Jericho will probably. I don't think Jericho's losing to Orange Cassidy, but oh if, my god! But if only one of your people is winning and he's beating Orange Cassidy, is the inner circle in a bit of trouble here in terms of their perception as a dangerous group? Well, it's just giving them something to do to come back from. Okay. I mean, if they were, you know, dominant all the time, it'd just be boring. So I'm, I'm not mad at it. I'm, I'm eager to see how they're going to come back from it. Fair enough. Fair enough. So you're saying that this is giving them 
It, it's they need to have a journey, and yeah. this is giving them a journey. The pendulum swings both ways, All so right. we're on All we're right. on this losing side of the pendulum swing, and it will come back around. I mean, it, it also might be, you know, this could be stretching a little bit, but a little bit of. Um, punishment for Sammy's actions? I think you're thinking in WWE terms now. <laughs> that's, I don't know that that's what they're going to be. Well, I don't know that that's how they work in AEW. That is, yeah. That's something that has been proven to be how WWE does things, but I, I don't think that AEW is punishing other people because Sammy said something dumb for you. I ago. know it's a reach, and I'm not saying they're punishing them directly for Sammy's actions, but Sammy is out, and Sammy was a big part of the team entertainment wise and other so you know so you oh wait hold on so you think that they're saying you know what maybe it would be better to pump the brakes step back sure not as punishment sammy is out yeah not as punishment but as like a way to explain things and then when sammy comes back then they can go on a roll yes i see so for it's a creative decision yes not Uh, i i probably phrased it wrong the first time around but not as like you know, Sammy was on your team, so you all must suffer. But Sammy was on your team, and he's not here right now for these reasons. Right. So maybe let's take the spotlight off of you a little bit. Okay. And, you know, we'll bring it back at a better time. I, that's actually a – I'm not mad at that. And if that's the case, then that would actually – it would actually make sense, and it would give it more room to breathe. Having Private Party win here, and they win, of course, a freaking title shot at the tag team titles next week on Fighter Fest. After after two months of best friends being built up, they get one title shot. And then in one week, we have another team getting a title shot. It's actually, it's a joke. Um, but yeah, Private Party goes on. They're going to get the spotlight again. They're fun. They are, they are fun, aren't they? You know, Private Party is good times during dark times in the world. Mm. So they're a nice, you know, levity. I see what you're saying. I also think that they're going to be... Uh, a good team to have against Omega and Paige because Private Party is yes. so unified. And if we're going to try and oh show gosh. Omega and Paige breaking up, that's a good one. There too. are going to be so many flips and flying, and I am <laughs> here for it. <laughs> I love. I know some people are against the flippy ish, but listen, it's my favorite. Well, I I can't say as I blame you. I do like watching Private Party do their thing. Um, so that was the main thrust of the show. There's a couple of other little things we got to talk about, including the fact that Jericho was on commentary for most of the show. With his Canada jacket. With his Canada. It was Canada Day. He had to celebrate. And he was, as always, a fantastic addition to the commentary team. I say addition. He kind of dominates every time he comes out there. But I'm not mad at it because he's freaking hilarious. He's fantastic. Yeah, he certainly adds something. Um, and I love the way that they worked him leaving which was having Orange Cassidy come out and just oh, that was sit amazing. there and almost fall. And if, he might have fallen asleep, fallen asleep during the match um, until Jericho was just furious that he was sitting there, got up and tried to attack him. Orange Cassidy well, he, okay, he threw wait. water. Yeah. yeah, he threw water at Orange Cassidy, and Orange Cassidy <laughs> was so tranquilo. He's Orange Cassidy, of course he, he was. He didn't even flinch or react to water being thrown on him. I got to say that as like someone who's – his – his work, his character work here, where he literally didn't even flinch. It wasn't even like a body reaction. No. Like an involuntary reaction. Exactly. He didn't even budge. I don't he didn't think even he blink. blinked. Yeah, right. That jinx. So he, then, he, then he goes to like grab the chair really slowly and just kind of like <laughs> throws it <laughs> like half-heartedly on the ground. Very and Jericho goes, you son of a bitch. 
bitch! And he freaks out about it. Yeah. Uh, they both get carried away. And or- Jericho, we go to commercial with Jericho screaming, I'm going to get you next week, Orange Cassidy. I'm going to get you, Orange Cassidy, next week. Just to make sure that we all knew, because he's a great promoter, yeah. when the match was and who it was against. He's a businessman. He's a businessman. Who was it? Remind me. Who was it that was holding Orange Cassidy very delicately by the collar to hold him back? Uh, was it Brandon? Who was it? Yeah, someone oh, God, was holding him back, remember. but just holding his collar. Just holding his, with like, like with two, two fingers. fingers. Oh, <laughs> God. Just good stuff. I love good it. Details. I love Orange Cassidy. I do too. And you know what someone I, I, I used to really love, but is starting to really get on my nerves, is Darby Allen. And we did see a little mm. a little video promo of Darby Allen on a, I, he was trying to have it be a pay phone, but it was, then it was like a right, house phone in a, a telephone booth. Uh, and he was like, what do you mean I'm still not cleared? All right, I'm just going to go skate. And then you see him going and doing all of these like CKY jackass things with his friends, like lighting themselves on fire and skating. And then Darby does uh, a backflip onto a skateboard, which is legit impressive. But at the same time, if the message is Darby's not taking him taking his medical leave seriously, and this is why we're not seeing him for so long, Mm -hmm. it makes him come across looking like this petulant little brat. It's, and it's not, very teenager-y. It's, yeah, it's off-putting. I like, I'm like, well, screw you then, dude. Stay on the sidelines. I'm like, cool. You can, you can skate. Cool story, bro. Yeah. You're, you're supposed to be out with an injury, but whatever, man. Screw it. I'm not going to listen to the man. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'll maybe, do what I want. Maybe I'm a little sensitive because I'd like to go back to work in, in the bar, but people won't wear their masks right now. And everyone's like, no. I was thinking that. I, I didn't want to say it, but I was thinking it. It's I'm like the people who go out without masks. Yep. Like just oh my god! Just put it on for a little bit. Shut up, <laughs> my god! It's not going to kill you to put on a mask. I'm doing it, freedom. I will do what I want. Mark anyway, we're up. not going to get too much of that, but it it reeked of that a little bit of like you've got someone in an authority position telling you, could you just please chill out so that we can have you come back and do something? And he's like, no, I'm not gonna. <laughs> <sighs> so it is what it, I have to say. It's rubbing me the wrong way about Darby, um, which sucks because I I have been loving Darby's stuff up until now um but it's starting to rub me the wrong way next week on fighter fest part two we're gonna have nyla rose versus question mark nyla rose will be in action against somebody the fact they won't say who it is makes me worry it's going to be some sort of nothing match we're getting a scu versus Brody lee and colt cabana which i can't wait to see that's gonna be a nice storyline match curious what they're doing with colt cabana Lance Archer versus Joey Janela. They get into it ringside this week. Joey wasn't able to get his shirt off, and it made Jake the Snake <laughs> Roberts crack up and me. Uh, Private Party's getting their title shot against Paige and Omega. We're getting Orange Cassidy versus Jericho. And we're getting Butcher and the Blade and the Lucha Brothers versus the Bucks and FTR. That You want to talk about flippy stuff and some crazy crap happening? That, yes. That's going to be an absolutely insane match also i can't believe you just didn't talk about like the most important upcoming match i was i was about to i'm pretty sure i know what you're about to say would you like to announce it the puppy battle royale (laughs) you guys (laughs) i am so excited of course you are of course i will mark out for some puppies (laughs) i cheer for them all i don't care who wins they're all faces what are you laughing I'm at? I'm just wondering, do they have a heel puppy? Like, has he come out and he's got, like, drawn on, like, evil eyebrows? Oh. Like, <laughs> they, have his, they have his, like, fur shaved into a mohawk Aww. or something. Oh, I'd still cheer for him. I... <laughs> Me and Dog Ziggler will he's watch the, that match then. He's the bad puppy. <laughs> That's right. He's from the wrong side of the kennel. He's bad to the bone. Oh, God. But, um, 
he's never been house trained and he's coming to your house. Ah, yeah. hide your shoes. <laughs> puppy battle. They're actually doing a puppy battle royale. They're taking a, a clue from the puppy bowl. I, that's creative. I'm not mad at this. Uh, in two weeks, we're getting Moxley versus Cage fight for the fallen. It was pushed back a week because of Renee Young's positive diagnosis for COVID and the fact that, well, Moxley didn't yep. want to leave his wife while she was sick. So Good man, Good Mox. man. Good man. But they made that into storyline. You, uh, you had Taz coming out and saying, oh, yeah, uh, Moxley's running Ooh. away. Uh, you know, we're all safe here. We're all tested because we don't run a sloppy shop. Hey Looks right in the camera. Um, so we're getting it a week later because Moxley's a, basically a little bitch is, was, was Taz's point. Taz, this was a great promo from Taz. Great um, promo. Great physicality from Cage standing behind him. Very reminiscent of like a Heyman Brock thing, but just a totally different flavor of ice cream. Um, <laughs> loved this. The only thing I'll say here, I, I, they actually, they, I, I, I love the fact they pushed it back a week. It does make it feel more special. Not mad at any of that. This makes me, this makes me want to wait a little bit longer to see it. But let's talk for a quick second before we get out of AEW uh, about the, the pot shots they took at WWE. MJF at the top of the show coming out in his bathrobe <laughs> or whatever the heck that thing was. Pink, um, fuzzy thing. Pink, fuzzy, weird thing. Yeah. And saying that uh, they were in a ratings war, saying that uh, they had him coming out first because they're in a ratings war and they needed the ratings, which is interesting because they lost in the ratings this week. Um, Not according to Jericho on Twitter, they didn't. Well, they won in the demo. They won in the 18 to 49 demo. According to Jericho, that's all that matters. <laughs> right. <laughs> he was there for both of them, so <laughs> he could say what he wants. But what, what did you think about, just really quickly, tie a bow on this. NXT using Great American Bash as a title, and then AEW throwing shots back at WWE. Was this just all in good fun again, or is this kind of pot-shotting petty and we don't need it? Where do you come down on this? It's both. It's petty, but it makes for good TV. I mean, really, that's what it's all about, is, is good TV. It's like reality television. People don't say all that nasty stuff about each other naturally, but the producers tell them to to get more views, and that's exactly what's happening. And I don't feel like anything's crossed the line into, you know, like, ooh, Ugliness. you really shouldn't have said that. Yeah, You know, it's, I mean, the best comment was the, we don't run a sloppy shop around here. I laughed. Gold. Yeah. It was gold. Because let's face it, WWE ran like it's yep. legit. They did. They ran a sloppy shop. People got sick. It's on them. Yeah. So as long as they keep it like on this level of funny, but still, you know, fairly civil, I'm yeah. here for it. Bring yeah. it on. It makes it more interesting. Stoke the fire a little bit. Yeah. yeah poke the yeah, little, little pokes like this. I don't mind. I agree with you. So that's it for Fighter Fest. But as we mentioned, there was another show happening at the exact same time. Another big pay-per-view feel show this week. And of course, that would be NXT's Great American Bash. Well, let's start off by talking about Sasha Banks mm -hmm. coming down to face Io Shirai. Right, your main event. Your main event. Um, so my first comment on this is... Um, Bailey. Oh, no. What the hell are you wearing, girl? <laughs> I knew it was going to be something about what she was wearing. Are uh, you kidding me? She looked great. She looked like she was ready for, for the 4th of July. She was wearing a jacket with Sasha's face all over it. Right? And, like, Supporting her friend. White pants. And right. She's an obnoxious heel. 
She well, was dressing it was up. obnoxious. And she, it worked. She got you. It was you. obnoxious. She it, got you. Yeah, she did. She did. I would just want her to take a little bit of Sasha's fashion sense. <sighs> well, we all Speaking could of which, Sasha's Sasha. outfit was yeah. amazing. Yeah, it looked great. It did. It looked really, really good. Yeah, special uh, special outfit made just for this. Red, white, and blue. I'd wear it. Facing off with Io Shirai. Not for the NXT title, though, which was no. telling off the bat. Um, what do you think of this match? Did it live up to your expectations for Sasha and Io? Well, and this has been kind of a dream match for a while. I know when Io first came over, Sasha expressed that she couldn't wait to, to face her because Io oh, yeah. is known as one of the greatest women's wrestlers in the world. Um. And Sasha loves the Japanese style. Yes, she does. Especially the more kind of high-flying style. And you had a lot of them trading off fantastic, well-worked moves, uh, except for one part in the middle where they seemed to lose communication a bit. Overall, it was, I thought, a very smooth yeah, match. Yeah, that was like one one move. I thought they yeah. recovered very, very quickly. One little sequence that just kind of fell apart. And but if you weren't paying that much attention, then, you, you know. might not have seen it, yeah. I, overall... Again, and you put this against the Penelope Ford Hikaru Shida match. Oh, which, this was better. This was better. There was more um, no question. high difficulty moves being thrown out there smoothly and in sequence uh, in, in, in this match. And more charisma overall. Well, that too. They both women felt like absolute superstars in this match. Um, so, yeah, no, th- I thought this was actually a very impressive match. The only problem was. It had a schmoz finish. And that may be because you really can't afford to have either of these women lose clean. Right. I think that was, you know, to be expected given it, the circumstances. Absolutely. Especially, you got Bailey ringside. You have the NXT champion in her own house. There's, I really didn't see any way they could have EO pinned or submitted. Even dirty. You couldn't really do it. But what they did have was something I did not expect. Even though it does make logical sense, Sasha, of course, coming up to having a match with Asuka at Extreme Rules, and she actually beat Asuka with some help this last week. Well, Asuka got hers back because at the yeah. end of this match, Bailey started to get in, uh, involved, as you expected that she would. But as the ref's dealing with Bailey on the other side of the ring, out from under the ring, Sasha goes to grab one of the belts to, to hit Io with it, and the belt won't budge. And she looks over, and the camera pans over, and Asuka has crawled out from under the ring <laughs> and smiles at Sasha and then spits mist all up in Sasha's face. Green mist! She gives her the green mist! We were wondering where that went. Uh, Sasha goes flying backwards. Io tries to pin her, doesn't get the pin, goes up for the moonsault, boom, hits her in the back. One, two, three, Sasha goes down to Io Shirai, and Io and Asuka... Two champions in WWE, by the way, which just feels so good to say. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, time uh, to get that shine. Oh, my goodness. Do After you going, want to talk a little bit about their history together? Well, that's what I was going to bring up, is that I was particularly marking out about this because you, you remember the Triple Tails yeah. team? Yeah. Mio Shirai, Io Shirai, and Asuka were a team and also opponents back in Japan. Uh, you know, Io and, and Asuka used to, to team up against Mio, or they were also all together in a, in a triple team. So having Asuka come to help Io, it's surprising they didn't actually call that out more on this show is saying, oh, you could all just you get Mauro say, oh, they were a team back in Japan. Uh, well. It made, it just, it made sense that she would help her. I, I freaking yeah. loved this. And seeing the two of them in the ring, definitely a mark out moment for me. 
do you think, I mean, WWE doesn't exactly have a history of acknowledging things that happened outside of their arenas. That's true. Do you think they will acknowledge that in any way in the future? Do you think that EO and Asuka are going to, you know, stick together? That's a, you know, this is the one thing that people are speculating. Are we heading towards EO and Asuka having a tag match at some point against Sasha and Bailey? Because that would be oh, sick. Oh, that would be so that good. That would be sick. Um, but will they acknowledge it? They've acknowledged the fact that Finn was a champion in, in Japan. They've acknowledged that Kushida, they've straight up said he was an IWGP junior heavyweight champion. So they've actually started to be more open about people's histories. Recently. Yeah, but yeah. Like, look at AJ Styles. There's, yeah, they're, they're, but they're, they're starting to acknowledge that he was a big deal in Japan. They're not going all the way out and saying, uh, he was the leader of Bullet Club, because obviously they don't want to give that kind of advertisement out. But they're, I, that was something, Asuka and Io being a team in Japan is something I could have seen them saying, given what they've said in the past. So I didn't, I was kind of missing that. But it, I'm, yeah, I'm nitpicking. I'm nitpicking. I'm nitpicking. What did you think match. about You thought this match was great. Yeah, I love seeing Sasha be able to work without Bailey. And I know they're a tag team and the history, first women tag team champion, blah, 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 blah. Sasha, in my opinion, <laughs> is a better worker. She's better in the ring. She's got better character. She's better all around. So it's great to see her go up with someone like EO where she can really bring it to them. I enjoyed this match. You're not saying that because you did a commercial with Sasha and Sheamus, are you? I am not saying oh, that, okay. actually. I uh -huh. hadn't even thought no, of that. No but, personal you know. bias. <laughs> no personal bias. I think she's a great worker, and I think that the majority of the phenomenal ones would agree with me. <laughs> I, I definitely agree with you. I think Sasha is I, one of the most underrated talents on there because we haven't really seen her be able to do her matches in a while, and she's been overshadowed by Becky Lynch and Charlotte mm -hmm. for quite a bit. Um, and it's really interesting to note, as, as we segue out of this, that Bailey and Sasha are now on all three brands on the regular. Yes, they are. But we're not getting the kind of vitriol that we got when Charlotte was on all three well, brands. Well, yet. Yet. They did call out in, uh, on SmackDown that they have been on all three brands. And I think if they continue to call it out, they'll probably get some vitriol as well. Um, Do you think that's the point, though? That they're, they're intentionally being like, hey, everybody. Be mad at us because they're heels. Oh, yeah. They're stoking the fire. But, okay. you know, there's fake heat and there's real heat. So mm. we'll see. Charlotte got that real heat. She did, which I, you know, I don't know how you feel. We haven't had a chance to ask you about it on the show here. But did you feel that that was legit that Charlotte get that kind of heat or, or like should should she have not been on so many shows? You know, I love Charlotte. <laughs> that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think Charlotte was working her ass off. Mm. to do all of the brands a favor. Oh. And I don't think that that is necessarily appreciated by the fans as, as much as it sometimes should be. You know, I think people look at the character and don't always see the person. Mm. And obviously the show is full of characters, but at the same time, like Charlotte, the person, mm. was working her ass off to bring light and attention to to all the brands and you can say well the views it, it she didn't bring people whatever charlotte does good work wherever she goes she is always going to raise the bar of everyone around her so you think the quality went up yes. if not necessarily the ratings yeah okay 
So you, do you think the same thing will happen with Sasha and Bailey, or in terms of like well, people people watching more? Or I don't think it'll affect how many people watch. I think it depends on how they book it, to be honest, because mm. it could do nothing good or it could do a lot of good. And I think that's going to depend on, uh, you know, if Sasha's running it more or if Bailey's running it more. Well, and that's kind of an interesting point, too, because the way that Charlotte did it was she had this kind of arrogant, I'm better than everybody else attitude, but it wasn't necessarily heelish. And she was heel or face, depending on what show she's on. Mm-hmm. Bailey and Sasha are obnoxious heels. Bailey more so than Sasha. Right. Um, <laughs> and, you know, their whole thing is we're here because we're obnoxious. So maybe they're getting more of a pass because part of the presentation is, oh, God, not them again. Again, but that's yeah, the point. But it's a fine line, that's, like I said, between real heat and that kayfabe heat. So yeah. we'll see. We will see. We will also see what happens. Uh, I think it's next week or maybe it's the week after. We're getting a fatal four-way. We had the fatal four-way for the number one contendership for the women's title, uh, Io Shirai's title. So we're having, in a week or two, I've got to check if it's on next week's Great American Bash or if it's later, uh, but we will be having a title match between one of these four women, the woman that won this match and Io Shirai. The women in this match, Mia Yim, Dakota Kai, without, by the way, Raquel Gonzalez. She was forced to do this alone. Uh, Tegan Knox and Candice LeRae. So this opened the show, and I thought it was a great call to open the show because they ended up making it an elimination match. It wasn't single pin, Mm -hmm. which I thought was a great call on one hand because you got a longer, more exciting match out of it. You were able to tell more stories. Um, Unfortunately, I thought it did a couple of the people in it a bit dirty, but we'll get to that. So one of these women goes on to face Io Shirai. Um, You've got four women... You've got five good knees among them. Was oh this, my god! <laughs> was Are this you a, kidding me? I, <laughs> was this a good exhibition of the women's division? <laughs> do you, Do you think that this was a good showcase for the women's division of NXT? Yeah, it was pretty good. I thought it was a solid match. I think it ended how I expected it to end, based on who was in it. So I, there wasn't really anything that was surprising for me. So you had Candice getting tagged, like she got teamed up on. She goes out. First, there's a miscommunication. Mia Yim gets rolled up by Dakota Kai. She's out. And we end up with Tegan and Dakota um, in the bad wheels match. And one of them has to go out. And it ends up being there. We're we're getting their old storied rivalry again. That gets renewed, which seemed a little redundant, but they worked it well. We end up getting uh, Tegan, who had some seriously over-the-top expressions in this match. She ends up beating Dakota Kai clean, shiniest wizard. One, two, three. Tegan Knox is your number one contender. So do you feel that that sequence of events was the way it should be? Or would you have changed it up at, at, at all? Uh, I don't know that I would have changed it up because it did make sense. I think there are other ways it could have been done to make it more interesting. Oh. But like I said, it was exactly how I expected it to win. Like I, I, I could have put money on it. On you know? Tegan. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it ending with Tegan and Dakota. Mm. So, I, like I said, it was a good match. It was a good showing. The women did good work, but I, it wasn't surprising to me. What do you think would have made it more interesting? Do you think there needed to be a little bit more kind of story between the four women? or like Because it was two storylines. It's Mia and, and Candice are having problems, 
and Tegan and Dakota have their issues. Should there have been more kind of crossing over of yes, issues? More oh, okay. mixing, maybe surprised, teaming up. Um, yeah, it kind of went yeah. exactly along the storylines, which isn't bad. But it just, it is what it is. So I think I know what you're talking about because I didn't see Tegan really sell. She kind of gave Candace a look like, it's so weird to be fighting you. Like it's, it seemed like she yeah. was trying to inject it with some more story, but it wasn't there in the wrestling. It was, it was in how they were selling each other, but we didn't really get that feeling when they were wrestling. Like I feel bad to be wrestling with you or anything like that. The, the details there weren't there. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. So Tegan wins the whole thing. How do you feel about Tegan as a challenger for Io Shirai at this point? in Io Shirai's reign. Is she the right woman to be facing Io, seeing as, well, actually, I, you know, I, let, me, let me catch myself before I finish that question, before I finish that thought. Do you think Tegan's the right woman? Should she take the title from Io? Ooh, should she take the title? And I ask that, yeah, I ask that because... I don't know if she's ready to take the title. But that's, it would be, it's, it would seem kind of quick because EO just won it. But we're now seeing issues with EO and the main roster women. We're seeing a team up with her and Asuka. Is this, are they just going to, did they put the title on EO just to have it be a short term? Have Tegan take it and then EO goes to be a tag team with Asuka. Seeing as we're now finding out that Kyrie Sane's leaving by the end of summer. If that's what they're going to do... If they're going to take Io and Asuka and put them together, then sure, g give the title to Tegan. Cool. I'm all about it because I want to see Io and Asuka work together. Yeah, me too. So I would not be mad at that at all. But if Tegan takes the title and the Asuka thing was kind of a one-off, then I'm going to be like, well, where are we going from here? Really? Yeah, well, it leaves EO a little high and dry. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that there is the possibility that Tegan, there's, there's a small possibility Tegan could take it. They've wanted to strap her for a long time. They've obviously been high on her for years. It's going to depend on if she's wearing her Captain Marvel outfit. I think she always wears her Captain Marvel outfit. I, if you come in with a Captain Ar Marvel outfit, it's hard to lose. Is this is this like <laughs> Ric Flair's red and blue trunks? Is it signaling if he's going to win or lose? Exactly. Is that what <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Outfits send a message. Oh, my goodness. Um, I thought her move sent a message. Her using the Molly go round was a yeah, bit of a, that, that was, was a, a bit nice of a nice little moment, a little tribute hat tip. Yeah, and it's and she gives a similar kind of feeling. You had Molly, who had the son of superhero uh, alternative character, and you had you know kind of her positive attitude and everything. So mm -hmm. I definitely see a nod to the Molly Holly character with Tegan. So I'm not I wasn't oh, yeah. mad at that at all. I think um, Tegan knows her history and she likes to show it. Damn right. Uh, not quite such a positive thing. Timothy Thatcher, one of the probably the scariest looking guys in NXT, having a match against his less hairy brother, Oni Lorcan. I swear they were grown in the same oh vat. Oh my gosh. Just one has more hair. Okay, I call this the tidy whitey match. <laughs> that, because, they were wearing tidy wait, whiteys. No, listen. Oh, okay. Listen, Linda, listen. The tidy Linda. whitey match because they work tight. They're both white and also the shape of their underwear. <sighs> you know you love it. That's more of a stretch you know than the moves Timothy Thatcher no, was putting on Oni Lorcan. It's brilliant. I'm, you're not giving me the credit I deserve. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm on the other side of the room behind, <laughs> behind something where you can't throw something at me. Uh, especially thinking of this match, which was, as you said, they worked tight. Oh, yeah. Good Lord. This was every, I, you know me. I love catch wrestling. I love this mm -hmm. kind of match 
where it's two guys using legit holds on each other, looking like they're actually trying to hurt each other, and then at some points in the match, hitting each other so hard that they almost knock each other out for real. I freaking loved this match. It started off the first half mostly on the ground, Thatcher just imposing his will on Lorcan for the most part before Lorcan was able to sneak out and turn it into a strike fest, which Thatcher survived long enough to get Orkin in a in a armbar, uh, Fujiwara armbar, on the arm he'd been working on the whole match, so it was already damaged, Oni had to tap out, and he sold like his arm was broken after the match because Thatcher wrenched it in more after the match. Oh, God, Oh, yeah, he didn't let go. Oh. You know what this match reminded me of, seeing these two work together? What's that? It's like when you play a, a fighter video game and you play yourself, like you fight yourself, and it's just like the same person but in different gear. That's what this match was like. Was it, Oni Lorcan is an alternate costume for Timothy yes, Thatcher? exactly. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. You can't. Yeah, blue can right. and red can in this match. Exactly. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> not entirely wrong. And I would love to see this again. Oni's already said on Twitter he wants to. he's challenging Thatcher again. Um, give this to me over and over and over. This made Thatcher look like an absolute animal uh, because Oni also has that air of legitimacy. Like, you know, he, every one of his matches now, it's become his thing. He grabs you by the face and hits you in your face so hard that it's it actually like your TV shakes. <laughs> this was awesome. Uh, it, this might be my match of the week. I loved this so much. Um, it was it just, a good one. It was just tough and, and gnarly. Uh, my only question is, where does Thatcher fit in to this NXT picture? It's so crowded in NXT right now especially at the top. Does, is Thatcher just the mid-card guy who goes around killing people? How long is that sustainable for? What if, and Nick, plug your ears. Oh, God. What if Timothy and Oni make a tag team called the Tidy Whiteys? What do you think? <laughs> you had me until the Tidy Whiteys. Because they're so similar. Oh, my God. I, you had me until the tag team. I'm the only idea- half kidding. Oh, okay. For, okay, forget the name. What if they were a tag team? Uh, in this tag team division right now in NXT, I don't know who would stop them. I really don't. They would well, tear it up. Everybody That's, better step up but there. But Oni's game. already in a great tag team with I Birch. Know. I know. Well, just, I don't. I'm also unimpressed with Birch. So. You don't like Danny Birch? No. He well, he's he's got the little like black trunks on. Are they just no, too big for no. you? Is that your problem with him? Oh my Is god! The trunks are too big. No, that is not my problem. All right, I don't know. Okay, well, I, maybe maybe Thatcher kills Danny Bur- or, or Danny Birch and installs yes. him, uh, like brainwashes yes. Oni. Okay, werewolf kills Birch Tree, and then you know it it writes itself. We're getting Come some on. JB booking on the show today. Good. This is some J- <laughs> where's, a, where's Nick's booking. tinfoil hat? I'm gonna throw it on you real quick. Uh, let's talk about an interesting thing. Rhea Ripley, which was it's been it's hard to say this. Rhea Ripley was in a mid-card comedy match on this show. That's a weird thing to say. It is. And it was, I, I didn't, I was confused <laughs> when it first started. I was, yeah, this whole angle first started, I was confused too. Yeah, I'm like, um, really, you're doing this to Rhea? But okay. I wound up happy by the end. Really? So I you, did. You had Rhea Ripley versus Robert Stone and Aaliyah. Aaliyah, of course, the client now of Robert Stone, who's the manager. He's been trying to get Rhea as part of his crappy management group for a couple of weeks now, she's been rejecting him, throwing him in trash bins and beating up. A, and Leah slapped her. So that's how we got this match. 
is that Aaliyah lost her match and then Regal forced... Well, actually, Regal suggested that Robert Stone and Aaliyah have a two-on-one handicap match against Rhea. And then uh, and Robert Stone said, well, okay, but fine. But if we win, Rhea has to join my brand. And Rhea, huh. said, Rhea said, okay, sure, whatever. Yeah. So here we have this match set up. And, of course, the whole thing was Robert Stone mugging and acting a fool and Aaliyah just trying to keep some semblance of legitimacy. But I've got to say... On paper, this sounded like a terrible idea. Agreed. But but Rhea looked like an absolute goddamn monster in this match. She is proving herself over and over again. They keep putting her in these ridiculous situations, and she keeps legitimizing herself over and over again. And and they're decelerating her because there's there's a lot that they're trying to do with the top of the uh, NXT women's division. They're trying to give other people some time right now before they go back to Rhea, I feel. And if you put her yeah. in EO's orbit, it's with how, with how strong they're making Rhea seem, it would be hard to not have her take EO's title. So to decelerate her and have her do something else, I think is a good idea. Kind of the way we were talking about the inner circle earlier, Especially when you have this is a very unique situation for her. We haven't seen her do anything like this before. And you have this comedy stuff going on around her, but she stays serious the whole time. Yes. She has a little bit of fun. It could have taken some of the shine off of her, but I don't think it did. Because she she killed it. She killed it and and was throwing them both all over the place. I mean, they got a little bit of offense on her at a couple of points, but it was her dominating the whole match and at the end gets them in that double standing cloverleaf. Oh, uh, it was, she had both so of them good. wrapped up in a cloverleaf at the same time looking like she she got them both tapping out. She killed him. She killed him at the same time. It made her look like an absolute beast. Yes. So it was a success. The Her only I can't stand the little like than this crap. The yeah 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 nose thing she does. I'm still not a big fan of, but whatever. Yeah. Overall, this accomplished what it was supposed to do: decelerate her from the main event picture, keep her looking super strong, and we had fun. Agreed. I was sports entertained. You were right, exactly. Sports entertained. Um, I wonder if she's done now with these two. I think that's pretty much all she needs to do with them. Is she needs to yeah. move on with something else. Agreed. Um, otherwise, it's going to overstay its welcome. Uh, speaking of overstaying its welcome, Roderick Strong versus Dexter Loomis <laughs> in a strap match. Obviously, Roderick has been disturbed ever since Loomis locked him in the trump- trunk of a car for 12 hours. He's so scared. And has been stalking him. He's been stalking him with his creepy blue eyes. Can't he's always at looking at me. His, his, his beard is getting large. He can't, he can't function. I'll be watching you. <laughs> now I'm going to think about to, that. To Roderick Strong. I'm going to think about that every time. I see uh, Dexter Loomis now. You're welcome. As the police. Uh, so we finally have a strap match. The very first strap match in NXT history, which makes sense because Roderick wants to get away from Dexter <laughs> Loomis. Dexter Lo- Loomis wants to get closer to Roderick Strong. Ooh. Ooh. I had some problems with this. Okay, so what, what did you think about this match? Not, not only the setup, but the execution of the match itself. The setup was pretty good. I wasn't mad at the setup. The, you know, whole promo before was a little cheesy, but... Overproduced. Yes. Yes. My biggest problem was with the use of the strap itself. Okay. Because I come from a dance background and a stage combat background and wrestling, obviously. And the use of 
the strap mm-hmm. like this is a trope in dance. It's been done over and over in dance routines. And it can be the absolute coolest thing mm-hmm. when people use the strap or the ribbon or the rope, whatever they're calling it, for weight sharing and tension and surprise. And this really let me down. Like, I feel like there was such a missed opportunity for creativity. It was just kind of there. And I've seen some amazing things done with this very, like the same format. And, and this was, it was, it was a letdown. I'm inclined to agree with you and not even like, I don't want to see them, you know, necessarily in the ring you know, doing a dance with it, but, no, but I know what you're saying I'm in the sense saying, that there's a lot of creative things you could do with it. And I've seen enough strap matches to know, like to, to your point, there's so many things you can do with a strap and it's been done a lot of times, both as you say, in dance and in wrestling, like the idea of two humans connected. They're both physical storytelling. Right, exactly. And this didn't add anything new to the legacy of strap matches. No, it, practically detracted (laughs) well i don't know i i wouldn't say it was necessarily a negative but they didn't do anything new i didn't see anything i'd never seen before exactly do you know what i mean and if you're gonna have it there use it for more than just the occasional whipping the other person right and that's that's kind of what i was thinking is that at no point did i go i've never seen them do that with a strap before and this was a match that was kind of a gimme for that because unless i mean the strap is there for a story purpose it was there for a story purpose, right? They, right. Roderick wants to escape Dexter. He Now he's strapped to him. He can't. Okay, that's the story. But beyond that, tell us something more. The last strap match we saw was Daniel Bryan versus The Fiend, and I was rolling my eyes at that on paper because I'm like, okay, so Daniel Bryan can't escape The Fiend. It was he's way get, better than this. It was way better because they were creative. There was stuff I'd never seen mm-hmm. before in a strap match. They ramped up the intensity so that when they were whipping each other, you were cringing. At no point was I really cringing. Nah, there's okay, one or two points I was cringing because that strap does look like and sound like it hurts. If I remember correctly, didn't Daniel Bryan have some blood on his back by oh, the end got, of that match? The, they, he whipped the shit out of him. But he, but this one, there was at no point was I sitting there going, "I'm glad this is a strap match." There were times where I went, "Aha!" He's using the strap, the strap the way you would expect. To the, for the storyline where Roderick's trying to get away and he's pulling Roderick towards him. Um, he ends up choking him out with the strap at the end of the match, but it was kind of awkward and it didn't really look like the strap mattered in that chokehold. Um, the only interesting thing about the match was at the one point we had the two sports cars parked by the entrance ramp because it's the Great American Bash and Loomis takes Roderick over to one and almost throws him in the back of, it's almost, I think it was a Viper. So it had like this tiny, Dodge tiny, little, Viper. tiny little trunk and it's it was, worse than a normal trunk. It's a Dodge Viper trunk. <laughs> well, it's, it's smaller. So is Roderick Strong. But that's the thing. is it, That was the only interesting moment. He didn't even go in the trunk. Right. And what then a they, letdown. And then they very delicately made their way back down the ramp, making sure to get the strap over all the expensive lights on the way down. Well, thank goodness for that. I was concerned for the lights. <laughs> Apparently but, they were too. But it took. But, know, there was, this match let me down. It was a little bit long for what it was, and it didn't feel creative enough. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And it's certainly nothing to do with the the abilities of the two guys, Dexter Loomis, I think has proved himself. Roderick strong definitely has proved himself as being one of the, one of the best workers they have in NXT. So it was a little bit of a letdown. Um, I hate, I hate to say, I just kind of hope, you know, you had Bobby fish come out at one point, uh, and get involved. And then, you know, he wasn't, he didn't factor into the finish at all. He got taken out, 
But does that, does this mean, I want Loomis to move on from Undisputed Era, but I don't know where else he goes. And I, I to people's nightmares. Maybe it's weird <laughs> having him be a face. Yeah, those and it's, creepy eyes. Yeah, just everything creepy. The way he moves and the slithering and everything. Like he's got it down. His he's got his gimmick solid as hell. But I just I'm ready for him to move on from Undisputed Era. And uh, I want Undisputed Era to do other things as well. Agreed. I I would say that his gimmick needs some work. Really? Yes. Loomis or strong? Loomis. In, in what way? What does he need to do? So he has good character, but I feel like they need to... Okay, that entrance, the most underwhelming thing ever to the Stranger Things music. <laughs> does he need anything besides just the creepy eyes, you think? Like, does he need the full, like, Carrion Cross entrance? Or is it just... Oh, are God. They, are they, Don't get me started on the Carrion Cross I know Cross you hate entrance. the Carrion Cross entrance, but it, I'm talking, talking in terms of the theatricality and all the things they're throwing at the wall with just it. Just something something a little more intimidating like he literally just walks out and stares right okay fine fine but at least have the entrance music be intimidating all it makes me want to do is turn on netflix and watch stranger things <laughs> which is a creepy show okay then have the little danger dog thing from the show the the demi dog have that be the background demi gorgon <laughs> yes that put a Put a Gorgon in Put there. Put a Demi Gorgon up on the, on the screen instead yes, of his creepy eyes. That would be scarier. Brick booking, brick booking continues. Uh, I, I know what you mean by it being underwhelming. It's very simple. It's, it's a very simple entrance. And, and when they could, everything around you in the entire business of wrestling is turned up to 11, mm, you cannot be sitting at a four. I don't, I don't know about a four. I, 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 will, I will grant you it's like a seven. It could, they could, they could give it a little bit more, pep, a little more oomph. I'll give you that. Um, so next week, we're going to have a six-man tag. And that was set up as well. We had El Legado de Fantasma come out. Santos Escobar came out to the ring with his cruiserweight title and his two little buddies, Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wild. They came out to cut a promo. And it was basically how he was taking over the NXT cruiserweight division. No one can touch him. The usual stuff. Lots of charisma. Lots of intensity. Uh, talked about how, you know, uh, the history of Lucha Libre was long and he was rewriting the history into the future. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Until we had Drake Maverick come out, which, damn it, I wanted a crowd there to really just blow up for him to, him enter, entering and taking off his neck brace and running down to the ring to get his ass beat again. What crowd? Exactly. So that's... It's, it's, it's sad because this whole angle, I wish there had been a crowd for because they would have eaten it up, especially Full Sail. They would have freaked out. Are but you saying they didn't pipe in enough noise for you? They, it, they, it did feel, if, I feel like there was uh, extra added crowd noise they were throwing in. Wasn't there? Did they, I, did they? Yeah, a little bit. I thought it was subtle. Yeah, it was more subtle than the Randy Orton edge match where it was just obtrusive. Oh, God. But like here, yeah, I felt like they had a little bit of canned sound mm-hmm. under this. Um, but, but not the, enough to satisfy you. Well, but not well, not enough. Well, it wasn't a natural pop for one thing, and for the other thing, the fact that I'm not sure whether it was piped in. I'm pretty sure it was piped in, but the fact that I'm not sure means that they dialed it back and it's subtle, which fine. The interesting thing here was Drake's getting his ass beat, and out comes Breezango. To save him. So we have a six-man tag team tag match next week. Legado de Fantasma versus Brizango and Drake Maverick. 
Does that seem random to you, or is it just me? I mean, why not? Sure. <laughs> sure, WWE, sure. Let's let's do it. Why not? Yeah, well, Breezango ain't doing anything. Exactly. And, uh, I, li- I like to see him work. Give him something to do. Would it make more sense to have other guys that have issues with Legado de Fantasma, like, I don't know, Swerve Scott and Jake Atlas be the tag team to of go with Drake Maverick? Of course it would make but... more sense. But what are you talking about? WWE logic. <laughs> well, no. I mean, it's also NXT. Typically, they do things that seem to make more sense. This seems random. But Brizango are a bigger deal than Jake Atlas and, and, uh, and Swerve Scott right now. Swerve Scott's got a, a program going right now with Tony Nese. Um so, like I said, I'm never mad to see Breeze Angle work. I'm glad they're yep. getting on TV yeah. and we're giving them something to do. It just seems random. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, we also got some setup for the Mia Yim and Candice LeRae street fight. What? what? Uh, which, speaking of Swerve Scott, he actually got in Johnny Gargano's face backstage. So that was interesting. Maybe yes. a little something there. Swerve and Johnny. That's when Candice jumped Mia. Yeah, that's going to be a good match. Don't touch my wife. Dude, Candice and Mia, I'm always down to see more of that. But Johnny and Swerve? Put it in my eye holes. (laughs) Uh, We also had a big video package for Keith Lee versus Adam Cole making this title match. That was good. Oh, I got chills. It was good. Make it seem like the biggest deal in NXT history. And there's an argument for that. They're both titles on the line. The winner's going to be a double champ. You may be undisputed, but I am unstoppable. So you liked Keith Lee's promo is what you're saying. Yeah. I like him. He's I, a sweetheart. He, he is a sweetheart. And he's, I, yeah, love some Keith Lee. He's a big teddy bear. He's a big teddy bear. And I also know you hate Adam Cole, so. That is very true. That is I very do true. hate, uh, okay, moving on. You Well, I hate to do this to you because I know you also hate Cameron Grimes, <sighs> who came out and gave his best Ric Flair impression, uh, which is appropriate because one of the greatest Great American Bash matches of all time was Ric Flair versus Terry Funk in 89. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, Cameron Grimes saying, hey, whoever wins that double championship match, woo, I'm going to take him out, woo, because I'm Cameron Grimes and it's Grime time. All right, no, Grime time is over. What it is time for is Friday Night Smackdown. Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle, Matt Riddle. He was the way we opened SmackDown. Michael Cole in the ring to make him sound as uncool as possible. Oh, come on. You're so mean to Michael Cole. He, you know I respect Michael Cole in theory, but God damn it, every time he gets in theory, in theory he's a great announcer. When he's let let to, to be his own thing, he's fine. But my God, the man is drier than a bone in the desert. You got Matt Riddle coming out and, and Michael Cole introduces him as, as, here comes the guy they call the original bro. Here's Matt Riddle. It's just, uh, way to take all the cool out of the room. Here comes Matt Riddle down the ramp. High five, bump, fist bumping everybody through the plexiglass, looking like he's just smoked about four pounds of marijuana. <laughs> and he comes to the ring and delivers a promo that makes it sound like he's just smoked four pounds of marijuana. Oh. My gosh. Michael Cole asking him, so Matt, tell us why don't you wear any shoes? And Matt Riddle says, okay, well, hold on. This is this is a long story. I hope you're going to tell it briefer than he did. I have to. I don't know if I can. Please. This Please. A, I can't live through this again. When he said that, I immediately said, they're not going to have Matt Riddle. After This is after, by the way, he was asked about AJ Styles. And he's like, AJ, bro, I thought that. We were bros, but we're not broing down, bro. Bro. Uh, you obviously 
I like you more than you like me, bro. Oh, my God. Um, he sounded like the surfer version of a valley girl. But that's his thing, and it's always been his thing. That's nothing True, new. but he's never been allowed to talk for this amount of time, and it should never be allowed to happen again. <laughs> well, <laughs> geez, you get on me for getting on Michael Cole. But uh, here's the thing. He has. In NXT, he's been allowed to speak before. It just never felt... Like he was trying to remember his lines. This was the worst. Why are you giving Matt Riddle lines? Let him just Why talk are you off of his him head. Five minutes to talk. That's and that's the thing. More more often than not, let him speak in short bursts. He goes, "I'm going to tell a long story," and I was like, "Oh, okay." He's going to get interrupted after the second sentence. Nope. nope. He's he told the whole story about how one time when he was a kid, he kept running in, he was in a hot tub and he kept running out into the snow with his bare feet and running back into the hot tub. And at one point, he ran back in and his feet felt like they were on fire and he ended up getting frostbite in his feet. And so ever since then, when he puts on shoes, it makes his feet burn. And that's why he never wears shoes, no matter what, weddings, bar mitzvahs, when he's tussling with a bear. He actually said that. Hanging out with a bear, yeah. Hanging out with a bear. Apparently he watches Mighty Boosh and hangs out with polar bears. Hold me. Hold me. Uh... (laughs) But so this, as you said, it was Matt Riddle was talking for a long time. Don't get me wrong. I love Matt Riddle. I think he's got a great character. I always enjoy watching him. I did not enjoy this story, bro. Every five bro seconds, bro, saying bro, the word bro, bro. This is so. This has been my. But it's normally shorter, and this was too. It's more directed, and this felt like a lot of Matt Riddle at once. Yeah, and. I, I have to say, stepping back from it, I had to wonder if he was being sent out there as a sink or swim moment. Um, is he being tested? Are well, they it saying was a sink moment for well, me? Well, and this is the thing, and this is what I've been saying about Matt Riddle for a long time, is people are going to like his gimmick or they're going to hate his gimmick. And people are going to, yes. there's no one who's like, he's okay. People are either going to be like, this is hilarious. The dude's an obvious stoner. He makes me laugh. He seems like a cool dude. Or they're going to be like, oh my God, never let him speak again. I think just a little less. Just a little less. Like I said, I love Matt Riddle. I love his gimmick. I think it's hilarious, but tone back the talking. Here's, here's I get think, that the you're most... High. <laughs> we get it. We don't need that demonstrated for us with every word that comes out of your mouth because guess what? We can see your eyes, bro. No one wants to listen to a stoner speak when we're not high. Exactly. Maybe if we're all sitting at home high, we'd be like, Matt Riddle's the coolest guy ever. Wow, dude, he was tussling with a bear? His tootsies were getting frostbitten? That's crazy, bro. You know what made this worse? Baron Corbin? Yes! (laughs) Yes, I was like, oh, good, he's done talk. Baron Corbin! Baron Corbin comes out, and the the craziest thing was was that Baron Corbin actually brought more energy to the room because Matt and and Cole were sitting there just kind of like chilling, bruh, and then Corbin actually, him on the mic was more energetic than Matt Riddle, and it it infused a lot of energy into the situation, and having Matt Riddle go face-to-face with him, as Corbin, of course, was saying, you have no respect, you bumped into me last week during your match with AJ, or two weeks ago with your match with AJ, I want you to bow down to the king, and Riddle getting in his face and saying, cool, bro, let's go at it right now, was, boom, the energy shot up in the whole room. It's true. It's true. Corbin energized, Corbin, can we say this? Hold on. Corbin energized a place. (laughs) <laughs> let's just sit and think about that. Hold, 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 hold on. Hold, let's, let's all hold for a second. 
and bask in this moment. Oh, Baron God. Corbin energized a room. As much as I dislike Corbin, he did do a favor here. However, he goaded Matt Riddle into a match, but not for himself. Nope. No, no, no. No, no, Because no. you can't just walk in here and get a match <laughs> with the king. No, you have to fight Mr. My Hair is a Different Color Every Week, John Morrison. Well, he can't always get the same dye in the different towns he goes to anymore. I know. Uh, I don't care about John Morrison's hair. That man is an absolute legend in the ring, and he showed oh, he that. Is. He and he Matt is. Riddle had a match, and my God, if it wasn't for Timothy Thatcher and Orny Lorcan, that would have been my best match of the week because yeah. holy crap, these guys put on a great show. Agreed. I'm like less talking, Matt, more wrestling yeah. because this is what it's about. But what was, what was crazy to me about this match, and tell me if you saw this, John Morrison has a very unorthodox style, and he keeps pulling out a whole bunch of very random offense, which, to his credit, over the years, has he's, he's lightened up on the offense that doesn't look like it's high impact, and it's just kind of flippy and flipping people around and, and doing stuff because he can. And he's mm-hmm. doing stuff more that looks like it actually has an impact and looks like it as an actual offensive move. Mm-hmm. All his stuff here was either really cool evasions or it was really smart offensive moves and creative offensive moves. The problem with that is that for a good chunk of this match, it looked like Matt Riddle couldn't see where John Morrison was coming from and it made Matt look like he was a little bit out of his depth against John Morrison. And that worked out in the end because he ended up beating John Morrison straight up. But it made Morrison look really really good which on the one hand is awesome on the other hand it was a little bit dangerous did you did you feel like john morrison got a little more over than he should in this match or were you not mad at it no i wasn't mad at it i the better john morrison looked the better matt riddle looks for beating him and i think it would have been absolutely ridiculous if matt just came out there and took it to morrison the whole time and and won especially considering how many people Matt had against him because you had Corbin, you had Morrison and Miz was beside the ring, even though they didn't get in. They got involved a little bit. All three of them got. uh, At one point, Riddle goes outside and throws his flip-flop at Corbin and Corbin tries to rush the ring and is standing ringside the whole time. At the end, Miz tries to get in. Yeah, so. It was already pushing it that Matt was able to overcome all of those circumstances. Right. So I don't think Morrison, you know, looking... Morrison getting his was okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, and, and that's kind of where I come down on it, too. I was nervous that he was going to look too good at Matt Riddle's expense. But again, I think that they should let, let Morrison be Morrison. And frankly, let Riddle be Riddle. Because yeah. that's, what, that's what got him over in the first place, is just letting him be him. The scripting of him is what worries me. I wonder how much of that was off the cuff, how much of it was scripted. Overall... Looking at this entire Matt Riddle segment, do you think that he's going to be able to get over with the mainstream WWE fans with this kind of presentation? With tweaking. Mm. I think with Matt, less is going to be more. You can look at him and you get his whole character right away. He looks like his gimmick from top to bottom. Yes, he does. So you don't need to like shove it in our faces what he is. Well, that's WWE stock and trade is being too on the nose. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, if they want him to fully succeed, they mm. need to tone it back with him a little bit. Just not not be so directly like, guess what? He's a stoner that says bro, says weird things, but he can kick your ass in the ring. Just let it be. 
just let him be just don't make him talk as much please (laughs) it's fine just just talk less matt just talk less well one guy i wouldn't mind talking more is drew gulak who actually after his match with aj styles on this week's smackdown cut a really i thought nice promo about it um obviously this was for the intercontinental championship against aj styles drew got a win over aj a few weeks ago i think we all knew going into this he wasn't winning this match (laughs) and he didn't win this match but he did have a very nice speech about it afterwards on uh i think you can find it on the youtube channel for wwe it was really it was really nice um and during the match you actually had daniel bryan in quote unquote uh, on Zoom, giving his opinions on Drew Gulak in the match, very obviously pre-recorded, and it felt it felt just awkward every time. It didn't uh, bother me. No, it, it, no. Didn't, it felt fake to me. It felt cheesy. It felt forced. I thought it was fine. Okay. I didn't. I didn't take offense to it. It didn't detract from the match for you. No. See, I wanted to just watch the Dan- like. It, it just it needed a little bit more livelihood or livelihood liveliness from Daniel Bryan there. It nothing that he did wrong. Nothing that Corey or or, or Cole did wrong throwing to it. It's just there's no way that's going to sound seamless. It's no way it's going to sound organic. And to me, just the jilted, stilted nature of it pulled me out of the match and pulled me out of the, uh, just the whole thing. But again, I disagree because to me, it sounded like Daniel Bryan was just speaking honestly, just like himself. He wasn't cutting a promo or anything. He was just talking. Yeah. And putting over Drew Gulak really hard. Yeah. Which is funny because Drew Lack won that match like just definitively. AJ Styles gives him a Styles Clash, stands him up against the ropes, and then gives him a phenomenal forearm to really drive home that he beat the crap out of Drew Gulak. Um, so having Daniel Bryan putting him over multiple times during this match was an interesting tactic, and I'm wondering yeah. what the future holds for Drew Gulak now, like what the perception of his in the company is. I know Daniel Bryan is obviously really high on him in real life as well, so I'm curious now what the future for Gulak is. Yeah, I don't know. That was, that was a little weird, that he was being put over so much, and then he lost. Lost so, so hard. Lost like so straight up. So that was interesting. I did love him with the uh, uh, Gulak did have the uh, Havoc written on his wrist tape for, yeah. for Danny Havoc, who was who passed away a few weeks ago, who was a friend of his. Um, so that was that was, I thought, poignant. Yeah. But um, yeah, this was another really solidly worked match, though. So a two for two for matches on this SmackDown. Long, well-worked matches. Mm-hmm. Two for two. Um, so I really got to give props to that as far as SmackDown is concerned. You let people that know how to wrestle, wrestle, and not just in, you know, five-minute matches. Mwah! Mm-hmm. Love it. Uh, going back to Bailey and Sasha, they had a Bailey-bration, Sasha-bration. What, what, what would you call it? They came out to... They came out to talk about how great they are. We spent a lot of time on them in the NXT segment, so I don't want to belabor... Uh, Bailey and Sasha too much, but this was fun because they said, well, Undertaker got a whole uh, documentary for him, so we oh thought we'd put God. together a little thing saying how great we were, and they did an because Undertaker Taker impression. Because Taker suggested it, apparently. Right, Taker called Bailey and said, uh, and Bailey goes into a Taker impression, which I'm not even going to try to do an impression of her <laughs> impression. Um, but basically says, oh, Taker said, we should do a, a, a video about how great we are. And so they show an entire video of how great they are, and at the end, out you comes... You loved it. I, it was funny. I, 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 am, I have to admit, I have to admit, I am being turned around from Bailey's initial heel turn and even from earlier this year, the heel work that she and Sasha were doing. They've come around on me. Are, are you feeling the same thing where they've 
improved in their presentation? Yes. And I think it's because Bailey specifically is being a little more goofy in her heelness and is having more fun with it, you know, doing the things like humping the air and just <laughs> calling out ridiculous stuff in the match. It's it's obnoxious, but in a different way than the Karen way that it, it she's was not before. Like, yeah, she's not like this dour, pouting, yeah, angry, she's sullen. Fun. She's more animated now. Yeah, I want to see my wrestlers having fun. There's more life to it. I think that was one thing that, uh, that Nick and I actually called out specifically was that there's no energy to her character. Yes. And, you know, because hashtag they listen, obviously they took that critique and ran with it. And Bailey said, well, how do I get more energy into my character? And that's what she's doing. And there was a word that they used for Bailey at one point. I forget if it was Cole or when when it was, but they called her insufferable. Didn't she call herself that? No, I I don't think so. Someone called her that insufferable champ, Bailey. I swear she called herself something similar then. All I know is that is the perfect word for what she is right now. And (laughs) frankly, uh, to a lesser, lesser degree, Sasha as well. She's insufferable. And it's, she's nailing being insufferable. It's heading in the direction of working. Yeah, well, I think it's actually there. It's working for me how obnoxious she is. It's getting there. It's getting there for um, me. It's miles better than what it was early this year. Oh, yeah. To the fact where I don't, I'm not terrified of her segments anymore. I used to be like, oh, God. Here we go, a Bailey segment. She's going to just be, I'm on the mic and I'm really upset that this is happening. It's definitely an improvement. And now she's cackling and she's bouncing around and she's having fun and doing funny childish things and it's working. Um, And it also works when juxtaposed with the two women that came out to interrupt the celebration, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Nikki, of course, is going to have a title shot at Bailey's Championship at Extreme Rules. Uh, They came out to mock the champions and then get into the ring did you know that Nikki is three hundred and eighty fifth in line to the English or the Scottish to the English crown? English crown to the English crown, which is surprising since she's a Scot. <laughs> that actually means I'm closer in line than she is. That's kind of funny. Well, um, fancy, hmm. you know <clears throat> what can I say? So, Bailey, sorry, excuse me. Nikki and uh, Alexa get into the ring, talk trash. Uh, Bailey gets slapped in the face and then volunteers Sasha. Uh, she let's see, she volunteers Sasha for a match with Nikki Cross. And Sasha's like, Wait, what? Oh, no, Sasha vo- volunteers Bailey. Bailey. For, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, usually it's Bailey volunteering Sasha, and that's what confused me about this. Usually yeah. it's Bailey throwing Sasha under the bus. They mixed it up, they mixed it up, and now Sasha's throwing Bailey under the bus, which was an interesting dynamic. Uh, so Bailey has to have a match with Nikki, uh, which I was weird. That was weird to me. What part was weird? You've got the champion. They've got a match coming up, and yet here we are having it already. That seemed like you're. Excuse me. I mean, it's, no, excuse me. It's Alexa. I'm, I'm, I'm going nuts. It was Alexa versus Bailey. I was trying to think about this. I'm like, no, it's Nikki versus Bailey coming up. It was Alexa Bliss versus Bailey in this match. My bad. You're confusing me. I was confused as well. 
confused. I was confused. Nikki was the one. I'm, I'm remembering the end of the match when Nikki actually got involved and chased everyone off. Because that felt to me like the Nikki of old, the crazy Nikki of old, going insane because Alexa was getting beat up by both Sasha and Bailey in this match, losing her mind. And then she was, that's what I'm remembering, is Nikki actually being the one to jump Bailey and punch her in the face at the end. Bailey saying, come on, punch me, you'll get, you'll get your friend disqualified. And because Alexa was getting so tag teamed, Nikki just lost her mind and punched Bailey in the face, costing Alexa the match. Finally. But building that tension towards Bailey and Nikki. That's, oh, God. But, <laughs> um, so do you feel like this helped accelerate this Bailey and uh, Nikki feud? Or is that kind of DOA because there's no way that we can see Nikki taking this title off of, of Bailey? Yeah. <sighs> I'm listen. I'm not a big fan of the Alexa Nikki tag team. What? I'm not. Okay. I'm sorry. You I'm explain not. yourself. So it's... Explain yourself. How? What do you mean you're not a fan of that? What, okay. What about that? First of all, Alexa Bliss as a face is the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> okay. Because everything enough. about her expressions screams Mean Girl. Also, I am still disappointed with how they've done Nikki Cross. I loved her character before. You I liked her, straight up psycho Nikki. I did. I loved her sanity character. And I feel like they just kind of dropped the ball by putting them together. And they had this whole thing where Alexa was going behind Nikki's back. And we we're waiting for the turn there for, to Alexa to, for Nikki to find out that Alexa wasn't really her friend. And then it never happened. And it's just, oh, we're good guys and we're friends and everything is great now. Well, it felt like a dropped angle. It felt like they were going somewhere and then they just forgot to finish it. Yeah, but it's I, disappointing. I feel like that saved Nikki. I feel like well, they wouldn't have known what to do with her once she, once she and Alexa broke up. They, she would have just been floundering and had no direction. She now has a direction. She's lashed her raft to Alexa Bliss, who we know they love and they're always going to do something with because blonde. And that, so she's always going to have something to do. And the dynamic of her in this match was very cool. You had Alexa getting beat up, and Nikki was... It Nikki eventually went nuts. got cool. Nikki went nuts and, sa- and didn't save her, but she came to her friend's aid and beat up the bad guys. That's a great dynamic. I want the Nikki at the end. I don't want the Nikki at the beginning. But, but doesn't I'm, that give her levels, though? Ugh. I am very <laughs> happy to see Nikki on TV. I'm glad that she's getting to work. I don't think that Alexa Bliss is the best partner for her. Huh. Okay. That's my thoughts. Fair enough. Agree to disagree. I, I love the fact that she's able to be kind of the sweet, cute Nikki and then flip a switch and because it's become the Tasmanian devil. Having seen her fully the other way, it just doesn't seem like a natural gimmick for her. I think it's actually more natural because you have an explanation for why she goes crazy now. She's unhinged and you give her too much coffee and she loses her mind. Ha, That's great. Ha, ha. That's great. Well, agree to disagree. So one little thing I wanted to point out at the end of this that I thought was interesting. After the match, Sasha had been holding all of the belts. And, of course, they're tag champs, and Bailey's also SmackDown champ. Sasha had the SmackDown championship around her waist, and at the and end... it looked damn good. Well, she was holding on to it like nothing else. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was it. Like she refused to give it up. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was worth noting. <laughs> Interesting. Nice, subtle work, perhaps. Coincidence, perhaps. Who knows? All I know is we also had a match between Cesaro and Kofi Kingston because next week we're having a tag championship match between Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. And uh, 
uh, and the New Day. Excuse the me. Why do my notes? What does my notes say? Cesaro versus Kofi Kingston. When it was Shinsuke Nakamura who faced uh, Kofi and beat him clean. Shinsuke Nakamura beat Kofi straight up, which yeah. Kofi's an ex-champ, and Shinsuke has been an intercontinental champ. This was I, th- I thought this obviously you want to make it look like the new day is in trouble next week. So that's why Shinsuke won. Right. It was interesting that there was no interference in here. Big E and Cesaro both kicked out halfway through the match. Um Big E by the Get way it, absolutely Jess. destroyed. Oh she got, oh she got them. I know, it made me so happy. Um Big E by the way absolutely annihilating Corey Graves in the face with his jacket this week. <laughs> I'm becoming more and more of a fan of that. Um, what did you think about the finish to this match? Did you feel like it came to because it was it was it was, a tip, it was a typical run of the mill middle of the road WWE match, but then at the end, all of a sudden, need a face. Kofi goes down one two three, uh, and then Cesaro comes out to help beat him up. Big E comes out. Big E and Kofi hold the ring and chase off Cesaro and Shinsuke, even though they won the match. How did, did you feel I, this ending came too quickly? I did. I thought it was too quick, and I thought it was a little letdown in the energy and specifically Shinsuke's running knee. I know that he has to do it softer in WWE than he did in new Japan, but it just didn't, it doesn't look, or at least it didn't, you know, on SmackDown this week, look like a finisher that would take out a champion. Uh, Yeah. That was kind of my thought as well. And it was a short running knee. He didn't go all the way across the ring. He goes with a full Kinshasa. Yeah. It seemed a little quick. It did seem a little quick. Um, but again, you know, it's a run-of-the-mill WWE match. Can't nitpick too much. We're getting a championship match between the two teams next week. Curious where this is going because obviously they're just kind of winging all of this ever since the Forgotten Sons got forgotten. <laughs> so finally Who? on... Yeah, exactly. Finally on SmackDown, and this was their main event, was they finally got around... Uh, they finally got around to Sheamus toasting Jeff Hardy. Um, you, you had... A full bar set up in the ring, which, as a bartender, let me tell you, they had some nice alcohol out there, some little Angel's Envy whiskey, a couple of different Hendrixes. Ooh, bougie. Uh, it was some, some Glenfiddich. I saw some nice bottles there. Just going to throw it out there. Um, and they had some dorky-looking bartender guy. Jeeves. Uh, Jeeves. His name was Jeeves. Of course it was. I, uh, I could never forget. Overlooking it all. So Jeff Hardy comes out, gets in the ring, looks at all this booze, and uh, says, all right, Seamus, well, whatever you're going to do, come on and get on with it. And Seamus pops up on the screen. I thought he was going to be under the table. I'm not going to lie. Well, the fact that he wasn't there in person makes one wonder if Seamus tested positive or why Seamus isn't there. It was a very intriguing as to why Seamus wasn't actually there in person. But he was at Seamus Bar, as he called it. Looked like his own home bar. Uh, Liverpool flags and all. Uh, and uh, was gave a nice long speech about how Jeff Hardy had overcome all kinds of things, but that he was lying to himself. Uh, and that he was going to just disappoint all of his family again, and that, hey, since you're a junkie for, you're already trying to get all these uh, exciting moments back because you're a junkie for any kind of rush you can get, you're going to fail anyway, so you might as well just drown your sorrows. I sent you my personal bartender and a whole bunch of booze, so have at it, my (sighs) friend. Cheers to you. And Jeeves walks up to Jeff Hardy and presents him with some champagne. Um, And Hardy retorted by saying, look, I'm not here to try and question. What do you say? To take another man's inventory? I'm not here to do that. Yeah, I like that. Um, but you're, but Seamus, you're kind of pathetic, and you know, wondering what what's going on with you that it's funny to make fun 
of another man's genuine struggles uh, and to call, you know, call him out in this way on TV. And Seamus just kind of said, you know, kind of laughed and was like, hey, you know, bottoms up. And Jeff Hardy upended the, uh, the champagne over Jeeves' head and then gave him a swanton bomb, which, yo, man, the bartender was just doing his job. Sorry, Jeeves. Not, not necessary. That's just mean. That's just mean to do to a bartender. Come <laughs> what on. did Jeeves ever do to you? What did Jeeves ever do to you, Well, Jeeves Jeff Hardy? was like sticking a glass of alcohol in Matt Hardy's face. Jeff and, Hardy, yes. Uh, I inter- <laughs> delete, delete, delete <laughs> Jeff Hardy's face. <laughs> well played. Um, <laughs> That's yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Of course, and I'm nitpicking because I'm a bartender, so I'm always going to take the bartender side and everything. But okay, so this whole thing—this was their main event. Their main event was one man trying to get a, a real recovering alcoholic to drink alcohol. This was not a main event. It was—I don't even know what it, it was. It's cringeworthy. Well, that's it what was it is. cringy. It was cringy. Um, I'm not going to say that I expect classiness from WWE. That's definitely not their stock in trade. And I understand the logic behind trying to do this by making Seamus look like an absolutely awful human being. Um, but it's still, even though it's, it does make Jeff Hardy look in some ways heroic by being able to face his demons, his real-life demons on TV and you know, uh, uh, turn away from them, but Much, that's what makes it weird. That's yeah, and it calls it. It makes me think back to Jerry Lawler and Jake the Snake Roberts, and Jerry Lawler trying to make Jake the Snake drink this bottle of Jack mm. in the ring, and mm-hmm. and how badly that turned out, and how just ugly and gross and yeah. pedantic that was, and making fun of Hawk's real life troubles, and just there are some things that if you want to humiliate or punish or be petty to your wrestlers because they screwed up your plans or they were weak in your eyes and you create an angle where they have to face their demons and do their penance on TV, that to me is uncomfortable at best and disgusting at worst. Yeah, it's walking the line too closely between kayfabe and reality. And it's just uncomfortable. And there's times that that's good. It makes for good TV and good feuds. Matt Hardy and Edge is one of the greatest feuds of all time, and that came from real-life trauma, and they were working out their issues in the ring. But it's a different kind of trauma, and it's yes. a different kind of story than what we're seeing here with Jeff. Yeah. And he, as Seamus was saying, this is bigger than Jeff. This is involves his family, and this, his yeah. wife and his children, and you're bringing them into it. And it involves everyone who's ever been struggling with addiction. Yeah. And it, in some ways, to me, it's kind of throwing this in their face and it's just it's ugly and for this to not only be something that they were dead set to do this this um this segment but also that they, this was such a big segment that it was their main event i i rolled my eyes yeah i rolled my eyes it was uncomfortable at best yeah so not fun hopefully they move off to move on to actual matches at some point with this because harping on jeff hardy's uh issues is I, i'm done with it that's not entertaining to me. Um, so a sad way to end SmackDown, JB, I'm sad to say. But luckily, that's not how we end our show around here. No. Because as you know, thanks to listener Sean Clark, we do do a segment on every show that we like to call our moment of positivity. Mop, 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 mop,
That's right. It's the moment of positivity. Nicely done. The moment of positivity, the mop, where we talk about the thing that happened this week in wrestling since the last show that we've done that made us, that was a positive moment for us, that made us feel happy, that gave us the butterflies, gave us the whoopies, gave us the warm fuzzies inside. Exactly. Something that we can go out into our day after listening to the show and have a smile on our face. So, Miss JB, thank you again for joining us today. What was your moment of positivity from this week in wrestling? Well, you know, I'm all about the simple things in life, the little pleasures. So one of my moments of positivity, I have two. Oh. Was that people were finally wearing masks in the performance center. Yes, they were. Actually, WWE has come out and said it's actually mandated now. Finally. Finally. They had to get bitten in the ass to finally do it, but... It was nice to see people on the other side of the plexiglass with their faces covered as they yelled. I'm, I'm not going to lie. That, that definitely gave me a little whew, it's funny. relief. Yeah, because it's funny. You know, like, WWE was, was at first, when they first had the audiences, they were separating them by six feet and doing the social distancing. And it was, it was obvious tokenism because people are sitting there yelling and screaming. Six feet ain't going to do crap when right. you do that. Even if the masks are tokenism and just perform, uh, uh, security performance theater. It's something. It's something, man. It's something. It sends a good message. So exactly. I'm, I agree with you entirely. My second moment of positivity mm. was Sasha's outfit. <laughs> I knew it! On SmackDown in the... Fa- okay, first oh, on SmackDown? Or, no, wait. Which one was it where she was wearing the sparkly uh, the heels? US- oh, the heels. No, no, no. no yeah, the Smackdown. heels. Yes. Yes. Okay. First of all, Sasha looked amazing, and her heels matched her hair. Okay, but the real thing is that those heels were stilettos, and she walked in the ring, which is a weird floor texture if you've never been on one. It's a little springy and a little hard. She walked in those stilettos in the ring like a boss. Well, it is her nickname. I know, and it's her nickname for a reason. And the reason I call that out is because I've only seen two women be able to do it with that much skill. Sasha in Charlotte. Right. I've, I've actually heard you call out, who is it, Carmella? And who else did you call out for? Lana. La- Girl. Girl. <laughs> do not wear those shoes if you cannot walk in them. Okay? Clanking ankles. Oh Don't my do it if you cannot walk in them. So Sasha <laughs> rocked those heels like a boss and i give all the appreciation i love a stiletto listen i love a stiletto i've got like 40 pairs of stilettos so respect respect absolutely well i respect to that i was not not one i would have picked not one i i and i respect you picking that because that's something i never would have thought of is well, that's uh, what I'm here is, for. I offer a different for. perspective. Very true. Very true. Sir Ian Dangerous, what was your moment of positivity? Um, I'm, man, I'm gonna have. To, I'm I'm stuck because I had two matches that I absolutely loved this week, and I can't wait to go back and watch again. And they were completely different style matches. And I think my moment of positivity is that I had my crazy flippy match. Well, not even like flips and flops, but like. Really unique offense from Jim or Jim Morrison, John Morrison, and Matt Riddle on uh, SmackDown, mm-hmm. and then the other end of it, I had my my crazy grappling Matt wrestling, legit looking um, beat 'em up from Timothy Thatcher and uh, and Oni Lorcan, 
I had a feeling those would be your two. And we didn't talk about it on today's shows. We will be talking about it on Tuesday. But over in New Japan, I was watching New Japan, and my boy Hiromu put on two of the best matches of the whole New Japan Cup, back to back. So I got to throw some love out that way, too. It's been a great week for good matches. So that's my moment of positivity is some damn good matches <laughs> this week, as well as Sasha Banks's stilettos. And masks. <laughs> um, so that is our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for hanging with us today. JB, thank you again for joining us this week on the show. My absolute pleasure. Always wonderful to have you, and hopefully you'll be back at some point soon. Um, everyone, check out our mailbag episode. It's going to be going up. We're going to be recording it right after the show right now. So if, uh, if you want to listen to that, it's, uh, patrons can submit questions to that show. If you are a patron, you too can have your question answered on that show. So stay tuned for that. We'll be getting that up right after this. JB will be sticking around for that show, and she'll be answering That's your questions right. today. My goodness, you're getting you're putting in the work today, JP. Oh, you know We're I working work. working you. Work, um, work, 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 work. That's right. And Nick is going to be back next week, ladies and gentlemen, so he'll be coming back to take back over command of the Starship BWO. He'll be back Monday for BWO Daily and Tuesday at uh, 5 p.m. Pacific, eat 8, 8 Eastern. Eat Eastern? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, it's a tough one sometimes. So he's going to be back on Monday and Tuesday, so check us out then, of course, on YouTube, Busted Wide Open, and over in our Facebook discussion group. You know all the places, and if you don't, go down there in the description and check it out. Uh, But uh, that'll do it. That'll wrap it up for today. Thank you again, JB. My name is Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. My name is JB. You can find me on Twitter at Judith Brooke. And how does Nick do this? It's like, but my God! Would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.